Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, where we look into aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. I'm Chris Kirk, and joining me today is Todd Mitten. I thought it would be kind of interesting to interview Todd about his experience going through captain upgrade training at Brand X, we'll call it airline. A lot of folks are familiar with airline flying, but not necessarily with the uh, the scope and the training required and then the responsibility involved with taking command of an airliner and uh, being in charge from the left seat. So to that end, uh, let's just jump into the interview right now. Hello and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. This is Chris Kirk and I'm joined here by uh, Todd Mitten. And uh, he and I, uh, Todd's had a really interesting experience uh, lately. Thought maybe you would find this interesting. Todd Todd flies for uh, airline, we'll just call it uh, Brand X, uh, based uh, down in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, just recently went through Captain Upgrade School on the Airbus A320. So I thought it might be fun to, to pick his brain a little bit about that process and you know some of the things that are beyond just flying the airplane what uh what what some of the things are that go through your mind as you're uh, you know you're the captain and and have 180 people behind you that are depending on you so todd welcome good morning captain how are you <laughs> oh captain my captain <laughs> no i'm doing well chris uh, nice to see you today so you just finished the program up in fact you just had your ioe and your first trip uh yes yes uh it was uh Long time coming, I'd say that, and uh, excited to uh, be flying the Airbus. Came off the uh, Boeing Triple Seven, and prior to that, seven five, seven seven six seven, and uh, just been a lot of time on Boeing stuff in recent years. So the Airbus was a uh, new and different animal. So what? Um, what's the difference between the two of them? I mean, it, obviously there's a lot, but tell people what what you experienced between a Boeing and an Airbus. At the end of the day, they do the same thing, but the philosophy that Airbus has uh, is different. There's a little more automation, I think, to an Airbus. Uh, there is a, you know, the throttles, or thrust levers, I should say, don't move at all, except when you push them up for takeoff, and just prior to landing, it says retard, retard, and you know what you know how that story yeah, goes, right? Yeah. The first, uh, first, the first one's a noun, <laughs> the second one's a verb. Exactly, retard, retard, <laughs> or the other way around, something like that. <laughs> anyway, but so they don't move. Uh, now you can, you can, you can fly the airplane and move the thrust levers, but that's not the normal way to fly the airplane. So uh, philosophically, that's different than the Boeing. Uh, but the, just learning what we colloquially colloquially call the box in either airplane, the, it's a, mm-hmm. it's different. It is even has some of the same, like PROG, the prog button. And you're talking about the FMS. Yes. Yeah. They, they don't do the same thing. So that was a real challenge in learning this Airbus. To me, it's just the learning uh, how, how to operate that, uh, control the airplane. Because as you know, flying these airliners, it's all done through that flight management system Mm -hmm. everything from setting speeds and and uh your routes you're going to fly and the altitudes and just so much is driven through programming the box and and operating the box 
And when you have different philosophies between one company and another, i.e. Boeing and Airbus, it's, uh, well, it was a challenge in that regard. So before we get too much further, because uh, we've both been guilty of this already, let's try to uh, tell people what these terms mean. So initially I said something about IOE. Well, that's that's initial operating experience. So that's that's the uh, uh, on-the-line training that you get uh, as you've upgraded to a new airplane or a new seat and often involves flying with a, a, a Czech airman and, and then getting signed off to fly um, you know, with another first officer without somebody supervising. So you mentioned FMS, and we just want to make sure people know what the FMS you is. Know, flight management system. system, right. And, and, you know, maybe a good way to, before you ever get to that initial operating experience, you have a whole simulator period, and before that you have ground school, and before that you have training. So maybe we should start back at the beginning and how this process works at an airline for those of you that aren't familiar or maybe some of you uh, are interested yourselves in pursuing an airline career or have uh, a son or daughter that's thinking about it because obviously we know we have a lot of pilot listeners and and maybe you've been successful in in some career field or something like that but now you've uh, got a son or daughter that you expose to aviation and they're thinking about it. so this that's why I think this is kind of a relevant discussion but the to back up a little the process of of, of uh, the opportunity to upgrade at an airline comes initially with, with having the seniority to hold a certain bid status. And so you bid, you put in a bid for Airbus captain, or did you have a bid in for several different captain positions? I wanted to, I wanted to fly the Airbus for a couple of reasons that maybe we'll discuss later, but uh, you know my opportunities would have been either the 737 or the Airbus. Okay. And, uh, you know, I know you fly the 737, and I'm a I'm a taller guy than you are, and and just bigger. And I, I don't know. I think I think once you're in the seat in that 737, it's probably fine. But guys always complain about banging their head on stuff and everything. And I, I that Airbus meanwhile has a has a really large flight deck that's just uh, that's a, that's a great place for me to start. I thought, well, that'll be cool. Yeah. So. So, but, so you put the bid in for the, the Airbus. Yeah, I did, and I got it. And and uh, I ended up, <clears throat> once once you're given a class date, they send you, at, at my airline, I think yours does the same thing, uh, some uh, ground school on your iPad. And it's a lengthy course, in, in our case, on this particular airplane. It was 26 hours of ground school that I had to complete before I ever actually went to our flight training facility to start in ground school, ironically. I thought it was called the Academy. Well, I'm, I'm trying to avoid using the name of Brand X. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the Academy. Yeah, the Academy. Uh, before going to the Academy, so I did the 26 hours, which was painful, I'm not going to lie. Uh and, yes, it's very, it's very and, painful. And you work your way through all that. So, you know, you might think about even as as you're going through training as a, as a listener here on just even getting your instrument rating or, or so on. You know, you may sit and watch the John and Martha King videos or something like that. And that's about what what we're doing uh, in, in the airline world today for ground school. Important point on that though is even though the curriculum, the course length is 26 hours, you're spending a lot more time than the you 26 are. hours. 
you're, you're going back and reviewing, you're studying, you're memorizing, you're you know, trying to try to just assimilate and put it all together, make sure you understand, uh, at least have some semblance of understanding before you show up. And not unlike the way ForeFlight was such a, uh, a revolutionary way that we all flight plan now and all that, I think that now the iPad in the airline industry, you can carry every book. There's so much information on that yeah. iPad, you couldn't possibly ever get through it all. It's just, it's, it's right. unending, you know. Yeah, I think it's, uh, this is just me, maybe it shows my age, but I think having everything on that iPad is a detriment anymore. You know, it used to be you could go to training and you'd be there in your hotel room and and maybe have a table that you could spread out, Mm -hmm. documents, and you could have four or five things referencing uh, essentially at the same time. And that's the the shortcoming of the iPad is now you're constantly switching back and forth. And, and you can't see both of them at the same time. No, it, it is a different style of training. I, I will say they all they still, at Brand X, send us a, uh, a big poster. Right. You guys probably do the same thing. And you end up, ironically, using the poster. I used it more in this training than I had in a while, uh, probably than when I, say, checked on the 777 several years ago. Uh, I just, the Airbus cockpit being unfamiliar to me and new, it, it helped to look where things are, how it was laid out. So that was the, the pre-ground school portion. Then the next step was to start into ground school itself. And, uh, and, and that was about uh, nine days total, effectively two weeks on the calendar. Uh, and, at the, and, you know, the, there are professional ground school instructors. Uh, many of these guys uh, had served maybe in the military as flight engineers or... Some have come out of general aviation. Some uh, have come from other backgrounds. But a typical airline ground school instructor, very knowledgeable on the systems and the and the operation of the airplane. And that's what their job is, to start to impart that knowledge to you. Right. And they're not line pilots. They, they no. are strictly doing that, that job there. Some are not even pilots. Many are not pilots. Some right. are. Uh, it just depends. The... the the two that I had in the four-day period and then a five-day period uh, were both former military flight engineers. Uh, hmm. So, you know, the one guy was a KC-10 flight engineer. And so uh, they, the good news is if, if you happen to know anything about military flight engineers, they are very systems-oriented. Although the Airbus, we didn't, we didn't go heavily, heavily into systems. You're not counting rivets somewhere it's just not the way they treat it uh but nonetheless those guys are very knowledgeable that two weeks culminates with a hundred question test and then a a time you're being evaluated in a procedure trainer which i'm sure many of our listeners have, have seen procedure type trainers in Maybe at an FBR, a school, an aviation school or something. You can flip switches. You can, in the case of the Airbus ones, are all touch screens. So you want to move a switch, you touch the screen and it, mm-hmm. the switch moves. So, so they have you fly a, a simulated flight and touch the screen and do the, do the items necessary just like you're operating the airplane while being evaluated by a ground school instructor. You're building a lot of muscle memory there too, just knowing where things are and and how to access them. Yeah, I should have mentioned, I went through with a a first officer that was a uh, 
not a, quite a new hired American. He had been hired uh, a couple years earlier, but uh, was like many of the very junior guys furloughed briefly when COVID all happened. And then he had had a, an infant daughter that was having some health issues. So he took FMLA. So he had been a 737 FO. And then when he came back after his family leave issues, his daughter's doing fine now, but they, they, uh, he, he had wanted to fly the Airbus, so he switched airplanes. So I was kind of lucky to have an FO that was not a brand new new hire, yeah. as is often the case. However, I did have, uh, he, he had never been on the Airbus. So a sharp guy, had flown captain at a regional airline previously. Hmm. So uh, he uh, he and I went through the whole process together. The ground school, that, that little flight that I just described in the procedure trainer that you're evaluated on. And then, of course, we move on next to the simulator phase. And so, from start to go, start to end, when you show up down there at the academy, how long is it? About uh, four weeks, uh, I would say. Yeah, because there's a like I said, the ground school was nine days, and then the simulator stuff was also nine days. So uh, you end up with, or was it ten? Isn't that something I'm forgetting already? <laughs> but uh, you do, you do. That's right. You did five sims. So at, at Brandex, uh, there are professional simulator instructors, and much like there were professional ground school instructors, these simulator instructors are not. Uh, they're not line pilots for American Airlines. They're not on the senior. Or I'm sorry, Brandex. Brandex. They're they're not on the seniority list. They are a. Uh, but a lot of them are former airline pilots or uh, yeah. guys that have extensive backgrounds, and and they they actually work with you in the sim and teach you the procedures and the we've learned the procedures. Now they're teaching the how to do it in in these full motion simulators that have tremendously good visuals and you know the sims did when when you and I started doing this, you probably worked in some old simulators that were probably built in the eighties or earlier, and those sims. It was always night and all. Now these simulators have have daytime visual and they're quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I worked through the uh, the five days with with the simulator sim p is the term we use professional simulator instructor and then and go home for a couple days and then come back and do the other sims with with an actual check airman in other words an american airlines pilot who is on the seniority list and he is he or she is a uh a, a long time cap highly experienced captain who's now instructing that goes on for uh three days and then you get two more days one's a a maneuvers validation kind of day and and your final actual type rating check ride is is a line oriented evaluation where they they set you up the gate and you push back out of that gate in our case it was i think laguardia to boston and then the second leg is boston to uh, DCA in the simulator, mm-hmm. of course, but done with all the paperwork, just like a just like a regular line flight, and that's how ultimately at the end of that process, 
you get a, uh, a type rating in the aircraft you're training in, in this case the Airbus 320, which then allows us to fly the Airbus 319, 320, and 321. You guys have 19s, 319s? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got a lot of them, a lot of 319s. Uh, you could fly the the A318 too. We don't have the 318, the really baby bus. That's right. a pretty unique airplane. There aren't a lot of those around. But uh, so you, yeah. give people a context, just so things between the 319 seats yeah. roughly how many people? Well, it's kind of interesting. The, the it seats 128 people in the configuration. Okay, and then a 321 does, and, and all the way up to a 321. The other day including two jump seaters in the cockpit and a jump seating flight attendant along with the flight attendants and so on, we had 199 souls on board. So now I will say that 128, that didn't include the basic crew, which would be another five, so 133. You could put people in the jump seat. But still, there's about a 55-seat difference between the A319 up to the A321. Pretty The 321's a big airplane. Yeah, yep. Well, let me let me back up here a little bit, just to kind of as a matter of explanation. So, there in in the simulator, there's two types of two types of training we really get. We really get. And Todd talked about the maneuvers valve or our maneuvers uh, sims, which you know those are sims where you go out and, and you do uh, like the name says maneuvers. But you're 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 practicing wind shear. You're practicing uh, you know TCAS traffic avoidance. You're practicing uh, engine out V1 cuts. Uh, you name it. All the different well, even even beyond that, you're practicing basic, you know, ILS approaches or what right. we call aren't well, RNAV approaches or uh, uh, like, of course, you mentioned engine out, but even normal takeoffs and and crosswind landing, crosswinds, and, everything. Yes, yeah. the the simulator has you uh, has the ability to replicate most of what goes on on the line. So those are the maneuvers, and then you do the the LOE or the loft. So the LOE is the line uh, oriented, oriented evaluation. evaluation, but the loft is a, a line oriented flight training, which you may be doing just on a day where you you just have a regular sim. And those are the days, like Todd said, where you're you know you're, you're doing it where you know the sim instructor is acting as he's acting as the um, uh, the pushback crew. He's acting as a mechanic if you need a mechanic. He's acting as flight, flight attendant, attendant, gate agent, uh, air traffic control, yeah. ramp. Ramp everything. control everything, so. and so and it's real time. They in those typically you don't stop. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it goes the way it goes, and then you you evaluate it afterwards. So. Yeah, and that's a that's a challenge when you're unfamiliar, and it's always moving quickly. There's no because <laughs> because time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. So there is no moment. You know, in in the on the line, you might have a scenario where the uh, flight attendant leans in and asks are you ready to close the door and yes you're ready but uh but it may be five or six minutes where you sit there while something's going on and it never happens that way in the simulator it's always right all right ready to close and boom the the same voice because it's the simulator instructor but now he's downstairs all right you ready to you know steering uh, disconnected and all the little litany they go through but anyway there's no break at all it just keeps moving fast and and it really mentally is taxing for a brand new person. Yeah, we we do uh, like probably like you guys do. There tend to be city pairs on some of these uh, LOEs or yes, the lofts. That, yes, you know this guy that I was flying with the other day. We mentioned something about doing a Seattle to Portland. I'm like, well, I don't want to do Seattle. I don't want to do a Seattle to Portland leg. I'm like, nothing goes good on those legs. <laughs> you know, I lose an engine. We're in mountainous <laughs> terrain. It's uh, you know the yeah. weather's down at Cat One Men's and. 
<laughs> and certain airports are kind of are seem to be popular uh, for training purposes with airlines that they have in the in the simulator. Memphis is one that I know I've yeah over the years quote trained at. Uh, I guess they offer a lot of the right kind of approaches, the ability that uh, low visibility taxi stuff like that. That's another thing you train. Just even these oddball things like the low visibility taxi. They'll have in the simulator. It's very foggy and you can't see. So they want you to. Are you going to follow the SMEGS? What's that stand for? I, surface, surface movement guidance system. Guidance system or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's how airliners taxi in very low visibility conditions. And there's, you know, one of the things that you don't do necessarily on, on these airplane change type of trains, but you, you certainly are exposed to early on, is op specs. You know, yeah. where you are, you're learning about, um, you know, what are the rules and regulations under which this airline can operate? And what what kind of approaches can I fly and what kind of weather can I fly them in? You know, you'll invariably hear... Um, you know, a comment from a passenger, well, those guys were taking off over there. How come we couldn't take off? You know, right. well, it's because our op specs don't allow us to do that. Uh, or, well, know. and speaking of that, right now, I'm still a captain with less than 100 hours. Uh, you know, you've been a captain a long time, Chris. And, and so if you and I arrive, your brand Z flight and my brand X flight arrive at the airport and the visibility and conditions are low... I may have to go to the alternate right now because I'm still a low-time captain where you could go right in there and and land. So that's uh, part of the op specs that you referred to. And and, and so a challenge for me upgrading, and I've been a captain in the past in a different life, but but a challenge for me upgrading is, is, you know, being aware of uh, and knowing all these rules and and as you well know once you're the captain everybody turns to you <laughs> with looking for the answer so uh but on so i finished up i got the both uh my sim partner jason and i got our uh airbus type ratings that uh after that final uh simulator ride and it was great felt good went uh went home and then a couple days later uh, they called me and and said we've got uh, an IOE, what you talk about, initial operating experience trip, planned for you. Now I knew I had I had talked to the people who do that scheduling, and I knew what to expect. I mm-hmm. already expected I was going to get this particular trip, which was uh, uh, DFW to Jacksonville, Florida, back to DFW, then up to Des Moines to lay over, and day two was Des Moines to Phoenix to Boise to lay over. Day three was just one leg Boise to DFW. Ultimately, that last leg got canceled, and I flew uh, Boise to Phoenix and then deadheaded back to DFW. But, uh, again, this that third leg of this training, you go out with a Czech airman who, he's a, long, a captain on the airplane, but he's trained to fly as a first officer also. So you get... Uh, so as a traveling public, you can rest assured that even though you've got a new pilot on on the flight, be it a new captain or new first officer, he's flying, he or she is flying with a uh, an experienced uh, Czech airman. Yeah. So now, as your as your this is your initial upgrade. Yes. At a, so at a you you had to 
Did, did one of your final flights have to be with a Fed? Yes, uh, but just like in uh, just like in all of us who've gotten pilot, you know, our private pilot, our instrument rating, or whatever, you typically don't go take the check ride with the FAA. You take it with a designated examiner. Well, the airlines also have that ability. So I didn't happen to fly with a an FAA guy. Okay. I flew with an APD, an airline pilot designated. Yeah. examiner so uh <clears throat> i was going to mention though this is the best part i i was super impressed with the czech airman i had on that first trip very very knowledgeable very thorough really enthusiastic and making sure i understood what i needed to know and and he was he was really good but i knew he was pretty new at the job because a couple times he got on his cell phone uh, at the uh, you know when we landed and he was talking to another experienced Czech airman I could tell I could hear part of the conversation well we were on our second leg of day two of that three-day trip and I had told him I really appreciated his uh, uh, how thorough he was being and all I mean I you know we're all professionals we kind of understand it we're not that uh, lost and and he says well I I guess I may as well, in full disclosure, tell you that you're my very first oh, wow. <laughs> student, which, which is a challenge for him. And I sure. had such a, uh, I had a lot of respect for that because a, that he hadn't flown a lot in the right seat in recent times. B, he's flying with a captain that's coming off the a wide body airplane. Not a. It might be different if I'd have had a, had three thousand hours as an Airbus first officer. Well, yeah, I got every little n- nuance to this thing. Uh, and there are some nuances to that Airbus. You, see, you know, things like trying to get it to descend, and uh, when when it's uh, uh, you're trying to slow down, it will not. Especially an A321 will not. I and everybody says that. I keep thinking to myself, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. Then I get myself won't go down and slow down. It just will not. Yeah. And so there's things you got to learn how to do it. And I could go into all details about flying an Airbus, but the but the suffice to say, the the Czech Airman was a uh, Really good guy, and the kind of guy. I show you what kind of people some of these guys are. You know, he's texting me a week later and asking how things are going and what's the. Uh, uh, hey, I I told you this, and I want to make sure I wasn't in, incorrect or something. You know, a lot of commitments. So, uh, so I, that was a great trip, and then then I flew a two day trip with a different uh, Czech airman who was also really good, former uh, former wing commander. Uh, at an Air Force base and a uh, fighter pilot and uh, uh, really an interesting uh, guy. And we, we had a great time together. And, and he, uh, and then the very last leg of that trip, there, it was a two-day with uh, three le- It was Phoenix, L.A., up San Francisco, back to L.A., layover, and then L.A. to uh, Cabo, back to L.A., and then to Phoenix. And that last leg from L.A. to Phoenix is when the APD mm-hmm. uh, sat in the jump seat. And that was that. You know, you, you need 25 hours, and I was a little above 25 hours. And good luck, Captain. <laughs> so that's how that – it does happen quickly. Yeah. But then – so you uh, – I'm not sure how you guys do it. Uh, but after you have your initial captain checkout, now you're going to have a, a line check, so it'll be a, an evaluation yes, by either yes. another APD. It could be a Fed uh, or just a line check airman. Um, 
at what seven months, six months, somewhere down. I the road? think that's what that's what I understand it. I suppose it'll just show up in my schedule. Yeah. I'll be out flying, and they'll have a. It probably won't be a uh, FAA check airman. Probably be a uh, uh, an American Airlines check airman. And so then after that, how often is your your interval? We're we're back to uh, every year. You get a you get a line check every year. Oh, not a line check every year. Okay, I I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I just know that obviously we'll go to the sim in a year. Right. And so your sim intervals are every year, right? Yeah. Now. Okay, ours are every nine months. Well, ours weren't. It just changed. Yeah, this I hear past ours are getting year. ready to change too. Well, there is no new ideas in the industry. Yeah. It's which you know, yeah. if if something's <laughs> changed at at Brand X, I could probably predict it's changed at Brand. Meanwhile, I yeah. guarantee if something changed at Brand Y. Hey, we'll hey be- we both grew up in the Air Force. We know how that wheel goes round and round and round, and everybody thinks they have yeah. an original and new idea. Yes, yes, yeah. there is. There are no new ideas. But so you have a you'll have a, a check ride. Uh, in the sim every yes, year, yes, and then on top of a line check, probably every two years. Every two years, I think. What and then on top about. of that, what people don't understand sometimes is that we're always fair game for a uh, an FAA um, guy to show up unannounced, and and you're essentially getting a check ride. Um, well, then so. Uh, the rest of the story is I I ended up with two weeks off, and I finally go out to find my first trip with a with an fo a, a first officer thankfully what a what a great guy uh you know professional sharp uh, had been a check airman at a regional airline and all there's a and, lot of really yeah. quality people there really are these guys are good for the most part and and so he was uh, uh he was a huge help in getting me through especially those first couple legs because the biggest problem i had was i'd I felt great coming off of my training, and then you, then I got two weeks off, and right. things yeah. start to slip a little. As we all know, as pilots, you know, listeners, I, I, I'm sure you, many of you have, can relate to that, where you, you know, haven't flown your airplane, and maybe maybe it was cold for two or three months, and all of a sudden you haven't flown in a while, and you go out, or haven't flown at night, or whatever it may be. We all experience that, and experience that, and that's the way I felt a little bit. Uh, but anyway, the so that was a four-day trip, and sure enough, on the fourth day of the trip, we have an FAA guy show up. So just to okay. your point, yep. and uh, he went to DFW to Albuquerque with us. Winds were howling, you know, and and uh, he'd do that sort of. Well, we set up for that RNAV visual thing out there to two six. Have you done that approach? Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've been in Albuquerque. It, it's a uh, kind of a. A goofy thing and they well i can't let you do a controller can't let you do that but just kind of you got the airport in sight yeah so now we're out just flying a visual approach and uh you know it's just it's a lot there's always something new every leg yeah so then i uh then the other part that was new was my after that four-day trip i had had added a, a quick other trip just for the opportunity for a little more uh flight time and and also uh pay obviously and uh, we went to DFW to Minneapolis, and so now, just to show you how it is, I mean, there it's we're, we're the runway is three zero through thirty left and right at, at Minneapolis, as you well know, and we the winds were two seventy at twenty two gusting to thirty six. There's snow blowing across the runway. They've got breaking action reports of uh, fair to medium and all, and you know, or fair to good and. You know, hey, you just you got to go do it. You're, it's now, 
what where you're at you know there's no there's yeah. no well let's take it easy or let's cancel for today because you just gotta you gotta go and i mean it worked it was fun it's challenging but it's also rewarding right right well you, you just gave me an idea for a future podcast actually about um uh i think maybe there'd be some interest in this i'm sure appreciate anybody else's feedback but you know are you operating your airplane with a captain's mindset or are you just along for the ride? Yes. Because there's, uh, there's a lot of things I think people don't see that go on behind the scenes. And, and then, you know, anybody can get on some of these, um, these forums or Facebook pages or whatever. You see, see things that guys are doing that they post, and you're like, ah, I'm not sure that's really a good idea. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that might, be a, that might be a good future one to talk about. But uh, all right, well, cool. Well, any, any final thoughts on, on this and, and uh, words of wisdom you can pass on to anybody? Well, I would say that if you're, if you or you have a son or a daughter that's interested in the business, or maybe you are are at the point where you're you're about to get hired at an airline, start from day one as best you can, thinking like a captain, and and take the best advice you can from, I mean, the captains you really liked flying with. Watch the the things that that they do that that you think will make you a better uh, a better pilot down the road because it's really if you uh, I mean at some point you're going to be if you're in this business at some point you're going to be in this position and you'll draw upon all that experience and uh, it's just the way you have to be when the time comes you got to be ready yeah so well that's that's good stuff so you know um, I, I know that I would, and I'm sure that Todd would be interested in, you know, visiting with you, especially if you have somebody that is uh, uh, interested in, in kind of taking this career path or curious about what this process is like. Give us a call. I mean, even though our business is selling airplanes, we, we love visiting with people. Uh, I will say that I did make this offer one time years ago and almost regretted it because of the number of calls I got. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that if and yeah. when the time comes. No, we'll but uh, give us a shout. You know, 888-773-4249. Todd, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we're, uh, we're really thankful that uh, that each of you uh, takes the time to, to listen to us banter back and forth. Thanks, Chris. Good uh, Good time, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.